cool. Hi. We are here for the reprise, for the encore, for the take two, <laughs> the new season. It's um, season two, mid-season one, I don't know, but we are back. It's been a while. I've been, I've been missing these conversations. I don't know how I've been, like, we used to do this every Friday, and now my Fridays feel very, like, devoid of silliness and intelligence at the same time. I feel like I'm just working and... Yeah, Friday mornings were supposed to be the creativity segment. Like you wake up and you know you're about to spew some wisdom onto a mic and have it be turned into some like audio magic. But uh, now you just have to like rely on this doc that we have, the Peas in a Pod doc, where we talk about everything we've been watching, reading, listening to. We wrote about... <laughs> I think like we—it's become more of a journal of late. Absolutely, I've literally just been treating it like my personal journal. I'm like, like if I'm feeling super like anxious in the middle of the day, then I like I sometimes will just open the doc and like write ten words and then shut it again. Welcome to Peace in a Pod, a podcast hosted by me, Ria. And me, Shivani, as we dig into the rich inner lives of introverts in a world designed for extroverts. Two friends in Mumbai and New York, we have candid, sometimes meandering conversations about stumbling through our 20s, being caught between two cultures, and sharing an unhealthy relationship with cake. I was reading this, like, Harvard Business Review, and which I was like... I'm not like against those articles, but I feel like the people there are too confident for me. I'm just like, all your wisdom seems very like good. And I don't know if I can, if I'm good enough for your wisdom. But I was reading one of those like Harvard Business Review pieces today. And it spoke about like silence and the importance of like waking up and having an hour of silence. And this person, the author, Vijay Iswaran or something like that, um, he hmm. basically was talking about how like he had a whole plan in place you have to do it for 21 days because it takes 21 days to form a habit and you spend the first 30 minutes like reflecting and writing your goals and things like that you spend 20 minutes reading and then you spend the last 10 minutes doing something else any activity that involves silence i'm guessing this is such productivity porn too like for it, howard business reviews like this is how you become the most self-actualized version of yourself you that was exactly an hour of silence it's like why is this important anymore the world is burning nobody cares if you're the most accomplished person you've ever met yeah like exactly i think for me that was the same thought that i had and i still obviously can't even remember what the last 10 minutes were all about but but basically, yeah, like it was all about how you can increase your productivity. And even the 20, he said 20 minutes for a book. I was like, what? I was like, what if like I start reading this book and my mind goes into like another spiral and then I want to read something else and I want to read something else. Like 20 minutes no, is not you enough. you only get to enjoy 20 minutes of silence and anything more is too bad. Like things should be enjoyed in moderation apparently. Yeah, I don't know. This, whatever happened to the whole anti-productivity diatribes that people were getting on during the pandemic when the pandemic hit suddenly everyone was very okay with fallow time as like the New York Times likes to call it and, like the whole like being the grasshopper and not really caring about foraging for food and making sure you have enough for the winter that's how we were behaving and now suddenly we're back on a bullshit of 
let's uh, maximize the efficiency and the work we get out of each hour what happened yeah because like I like the idea of maybe waking up like the hour of silence first sounded very poetic and then I went to into it and I was like like I want it to be my creative fun time where I can do whatever I want within that structure yeah. but yeah you do always you know how to enjoy that hour of silence I've seen you do it you're more successful at it than this Harvard Business Review <laughs> author <laughs> Because I've seen you enjoy your cup of coffee staring out the window, like, you know, just basking in the morning glow and like maybe picking up a book, flipping through a few pages, making a coffee. And I always like <laughs> just invade that energy. It was like, okay, so like, what are we doing today? We can go here and then there and then we can do this because we only have so much time left in New York. Yeah, but you know, I haven't been doing that recently. I've been waking up and I jump straight to work. Like what I do is now I make my, I'm like drinking my coffee and I'm making my to-do list for the day, getting in touch with all the people I was supposed to follow up with the previous evening. Like I, it's very, I think that's, uh, maybe that's why that article attracted me so much because I was like, hey, you haven't woken up and like just drank your coffee and flipped a few pages in a while. Um, and I remember you saying that because you've lost that morning segment, so to speak, you've been somehow compensating for that at 2 a.m. where you think nobody's watching and you go into the dock and <laughs> write down all your thoughts as though they're like, you know, as though you've been bottling them up for a while and they need to come out. Yeah, it's really weird. I've been sleeping at very odd hours because like my mind I don't know I think I've internalized this it like flips post midnight and then I find myself reading and wanting to like make up for the fact that I didn't devote that time to myself during the day but it's I don't know it's not sustainable so it was nice it was like romantic that one time I wrote in the doc because that was the first or second week of it but now I'm learning that it's that not was a glorious ode to that time I don't even know if it was part of a journal entry I think it was a response to the episode of Marine Lines um, that uh, featured Samir Kolavur the artist Uh. and uh, you started uh, that was my favorite I think that's where you you know going back to our original theme of places uh, you started talking about how places like prop you up and fuel your creativity and even like the aura you create around yourself and it's been hard for you to do in Bombay and you miss sort of just you know going to the park and (laughs) trying to read Gabriel Garcia Marquez but knowing that this quoting you knowing that this piece of classic literature is not for me (laughs) pretty soon um, oh yeah like I guess like just spotting kids in the park and stuff I I could quote you verbatim throughout and there are like so many favorite lines that I have from this journal entry of yours yeah that was essentially not not my post midnight rant it was a midday rant when I was like I just I don't know it's like you know that flow state they talk about where you just start feeling things and thoughts and you write and you're in that flow state it was that magic like one hour um but that was essentially me listening to a podcast uh a new podcast with um, it's called Marine Lines and the the interviewee there was uh, Samir Kulavur who's such a fantastic artist, wonderful work and it was called The Art of Looking Around 
which in my like desk riddled you know job structure i haven't been looking around as much i haven't been giving myself that like headspace so i think that's like what attracted me to the the pod, like the episode and when i was like listening to it i just loved his whole because the whole i think the the host um raghu kanar who's also a journalist he was basically talking about how in a city like bombay where your life is so attached to getting from point a to point b how do you find mm-hmm. the time to look around which is again goes back to that classic like city lifestyle conundrum of like how do i find fallow time as we've we've spoken about or like just time to observe people observe and take in the place around you um and so yeah. his whole like the whole episode was him asking samir who we know does this because it's very evident through his art you know how does he make the time and space mm-hmm. to do that and um it just hit me really hard because like it took me back to new york immediately because that was a city that i did that on a weekly basis if not like you know twice a week thrice a week where i was just like go on these long walks and long walks to nowhere um i think we'll see this like across creative disciplines people talk about walking as creative like fuel it's magical i think where like maybe i the, think i read that piece too or was it something you shared with me it might have there been there was a major piece about like the power of uh, walking and like the value it brings to uh, thinkers yeah and it's something that so many people say so you just need to start like walking and i for me like those moments in new york where i remember i had like a little diary and i'd be like sometimes scribbling about but sometimes i was just walking listening to a podcast drinking my coffee middle of the pandemic and yeah that's when i like i pivoted back to those moments when i heard the episode and it just like made me super nostalgic but also made me realize what was almost like the cause of my slight dissatisfaction uh, while living in bombay hmm and you probably want to i guess one way in which you're latching on to that art of noticing or the power of observation is if you feel like you're losing that side of you or like you're losing a part of your day where you do get to do that you get to like channel that into your observation of your surroundings right like as i know in the last stretch you mentioned the jj flyover that like you would ride in like a cab during your college days like just like blankly stare out of the window and you say like you know it's sit at the back of your taxi peeping into the homes like that was probably sort of like your first affair with windows in general you've always been obsessed with windows right like and and learning about the lives of the people behind them there's you mentioned the kid jumping on a bed like it was a trampoline birthday banners empty rooms like all of these things are you sort of these stories that you had in your mind the stories that you wanted to dig deeper into because of like your love for observation and windows were your first sort of entry way or like entry point into that yeah i mean it's such a it can be misconstrued as creepy but it isn't i promise everyone listening to this um peeping tom <laughs> but what what she was referring to and and is basically like during my college days was when i started to understand the power of observation of just like being absolutely present to everything and everyone around you while no one else can really see you right like that's for me the like 
wonderful bit mm-hmm. about it is like I'm the sort of it's like the closest I got to a fly on the wall experience um and so I, like sitting on this like stretch of fly this flyover that would take me back home from college I would sit in the back of a taxi and I would just like and I remember it was always in the evening so it was this like wonderful time when all the lights used to start coming on in people's houses you know mm-hmm. again this sounds creepy but it's just like I am I'm taking this in a romantic slash poetic way yeah it's just like a the time of the day when like I feel like nobody's really watching me but I can watch all of them it's just <laughs> oh, no. a wonderful warm feeling <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but it's it's like it's I think the root of it's at the heart of your love for people and stories is that how much you enjoy just watching them from a distance. Like people watching is one of my favorite activities in New York, right? Like when you go to Union Square or McCarran Park and you see everybody engaged in all sorts of activities, like somebody is grabbing a sandwich on the grass and there's people hula hooping and making out and like running laps and like I don't know like shooting some TikTok (laughs) I don't know it's just like it's such a nice big confluence of energy and excitement that like you you constantly you want to stay in it and when it's gone like you know it was gone for a while during the pandemic when it hit like that's probably when we started taking the long walks for me, that became walking around and trying to find or spot that same speck of energy in, like, the signs that people would create and put them up outside their houses. Like, I was trying to... What do you call it? Like, almost like a parasite, like, trying to uh, live off of the energy of people through, like, the messages that they were putting out on signs, and that's how the 100-day project started. So, signs and windows... I guess, tools for trying to understand our place in society. Yeah, and and you wrote about that in terms of, like, you collected... Again, this is something that I love and goes back to your sense of, like, discipline. Um, But the fact that through the pandemic, you collected not just a hundred, over a hundred signs from around New York and outside, outside of the US, outside of, you know, New York City, for with people sending in their vital signs. And you wrote about it. Yeah, I think it's, I think I was just trying to find an answer because like I didn't have any answers for like, it, it felt like a really tumultuous time where you didn't know what would come out of this. Like and to see a city that at like one point was filled with people to suddenly see it empty out and like that really bothered me and I think it affected me emotionally so I was just using the signs as kind of like my cushion like my emotional cushion it's like if not anything there's at least these little handwritten boards and signs that I can depend on so yeah that was a nice period I miss it I've been thinking about it a lot more now because things are picking back up again and they're so busy. I am going to sound like a classic interviewer now, but like, do you have, <laughs> do you have like, because like I have seen a few signs and like the one that I think of is like the one that had that, the airplane, there was like a trail of smoke. Um, I think someone had sent it to you and I don't know why that's the one that pops into my yeah. head. And there's one about dancing that I know I love. There were, that was the one 
that we spotted i think it was like one of our first few days stepping outside and actually doing things so we were like let's get a cup of coffee at this cafe how exciting the things are finally opening back up and they didn't even let us inside they were just like just pick up the coffee from outside the stall that's how we started drinking as well like pick up cocktails to go and uh, we turned around and saw like a window that in like big bold capital letters just said don't stop dancing and it filled out like every pane of that window and like that if that becomes a sign that you pass kind of like almost every week it transforms you like even if you're not thinking about it you subconsciously you are telling yourself not to stop dancing it's it's like this weird form of resilience that like strangers are building up in you without you even realizing and that's like i guess that's don't mean to get cheesy about it it's like that's the power of community in a neighborhood <laughs> when so many people come here without any families right like this is all they have to rely on for emotional support and like the signs became my form of emotional support but yeah like the windows and signs definitely are channels for observation but i wanted to know what you've been watching lately cuz i've been i've watched so many shows since we last left uh, you know like when when since we last spoke i've seen ted lasso i know we're both obsessed with ted lasso because mm-hmm. of the wholesome personality and the like it's so us wisdom <laughs> yeah it's so us it's like borderline cheesy but like I I can't stop watching. Want to be the person that like he projects in this TV show. I don't even know if it's realistic to be this person, but sometimes I wish I But if everyone was like Ted Lasso, the world would be boring. Yeah, that's true. You need but that I guess that's why they have all those characters in there to like balance it off so not everyone is like him. But it does obviously border on those moments of like where you f- see like just blind optimism and idealism sometimes like in the last episode into it but huh. like in that like the last episode where one of the characters Sam he like you know fights against um this big bad oil corporation um in Nigeria and then he gets some call from his dad that guess what they stopped working in the country like that for me I was like come on like I'm an yeah. idealist but that shit is not happening like who are we kidding you know so those are the yeah Sam that- doesn't single-handedly control Nigeria's oil supply with his like cancellation <laughs> it's part of this obscure football club in the UK but like yeah I guess like they play out these fantastical scenarios like in an ideal world where like activism actually has a platform and like you get to align your values with your actions and shit like that's what the world would feel like but what i do enjoy about tellaso is the fact that every episode is centered around getting men to go to therapy that's the whole plot and it feels like the entire story arc of the season is to get Ted to bear it all in a session with the counselor <laughs> because he is definitely hiding something he has so many walls that uh, people are trying to break down so i thought that was in the larger scheme of things i guess like its impact on society 
I wonder it would be interesting to look into the numbers of like after watching Ted Lasso how open were men to the idea of therapy or a life coach because Ted Lasso mm. is incredibly popular among a male audience too. Yeah, I haven't thought about that to be honest. Like it's a really good point though. Like you know in that moment where there's a moment in the show where he has this like he sits in the therapist's office and he just like goes on this whole diatribe of how he doesn't believe in what she does and how her job is like bullshit and that's something i've grown up not grown up but like i've heard it from so many people around me right that even mm-hmm. like to this day i know there are friends of mine our age who they think of therapy but they always think of therapy as like a weakness like oh yeah oh like i'm going to therapy you know like say it in hush and like whisper yeah. it or there's like that classic like male attitude toward it like what is that going to do for me like I'm just going to pay you you're getting paid you don't actually care about me The what I appreciate about the show is that it's bringing out those narratives that even though we're in this like advocating for mental health mental health positivity like no can you say that but you know what yeah. I mean in, in that space it's uh, definitely bringing out space for like I think it's like targeting the audience that's most resistant to it which I found interesting like it's like targeting the edges it's just in my own personal life like I've seen uh, a couple of like friends relationships where like if they have issues or like uh, like roadblocks in their relationship they have started to consider either couples counseling or like having the male counterpart like see a person like talk to somebody and like talk therapy especially i think has found some like it's gaining ground it's finding some sort of footing within like the male target audience and i feel like that is if there was any like audience that we had to speak to with or like you know if in order to reduce or curb the stigma around therapy it would be males because toxic masculinity and like this uh I guess pervasive idea right that like you can't fix anything by talking about your feelings like you just have to man up and toughen up and like get through life like the men before you have is is like an idea that harms everybody and like men most of all right like it makes them feel like if they had to get help they can't allow anybody probably raises suicidal rates um I just like I guess like I appreciate the undertone or like the sort of like the latent message of Ted Lasso and the fucking feminist angle of like Keely and Rebecca, and Rebecca. training Nate to like be more assertive and to like you know navigate negotiations like that is a great piece of television like I want to see two badass females coach a young male professional at the workplace like that's when you you know that's when you've really made some progress in my mind yeah uh, that's the thing it's like for all it's like it's so i mean i i did this at the start of the conversation it's easy to pick out like the faults and be like oh it's too idealistic but what it does so well like that moment in addition to the all the stuff about mental health that you just said which i totally agree with there's also these tiny like moments of just joy in the show like in the toward the end of season one where he has that se- like the game of darts with you know uh one of yeah. his rebecca's the famous dart scene and all that line be cute i think he says whitman 
um, be curious, not judgmental. It's like again such like. Like I like I've watched that scene three times because I was like, this is what I keep telling people, and this is what I try to espouse because I know I have a very like judgmental side. That's like one of those like conditioned things that I've internalized growing up, and I'm always trying to now like fight that in my adulthood and be curious and not judgmental. So for me, mm-hmm. that like really hit home. And there's so many of these like tiny moments where they're coming together and like you know just celebrating vulnerability and all those everything that you want and we talk about but they're doing it so well and like you said appealing to not just people like you and me like we're not that we're not their only target audience it's a much much wider uh you know yeah like, and there is like a secondary agenda here i guess like i i genuinely believe that it is um the agenda here is to get men to be a little more to train themselves in being more perceptive and being more sensitive but i do think it's portraying an idealized version of society at least in like jason sudeikis's eyes where uh, people do treat each other with kindness and respect and curiosity and while like, some people may argue judgment is a survival instinct that you cultivate it's you know it's it's something yeah. that we used to like evaluate enemies and like you know just i guess danger factors or whatever but because we live in a largely civilized society it's like there is no need for that evolutionary feature like it's more important for us to be more curious and like empathetic and i guess kind of yeah Absolutely. I feel like so wholesome, yeah, so wholesome. So wholesome. And I mean this obviously like I wake up on some days and just like I I don't know, I've been feeling this actually. It's funny. I feel a bit like a, a bit of a hypocrite having or saying these things because like off late <laughs> I don't know. I've just been in such a weird headspace where I feel very um more judgmental than curious if I'm being mm. brutally honest. and um, you i mean you're also learning to be an asshole right like that we spoke about that earlier <laughs> it's it's so important to strike a balance between cracking a whip and keeping things moving along especially for people like you and i who haven't learned to be assertive in like certain professional environments like you just sometimes you just have got to write a strongly worded email to people who just don't seem to you know pitch in or like sometimes you just have to tell yourself that this is a person you will not get along with not in the short term not in like the distant future and just kind of make your peace with it and be okay with not being liked i guess like that's a huge like barrier that not everybody experiences but with you you're just like and maybe i'm being judgmental like but no maybe you're just looking out for yourself and like preserving your energies yeah people pleasing is a to all the people pleasers out there and to all the people who can't stand not being liked we hear you <laughs> like that is um the people who can't for some reason learn how to draw boundaries and be okay Say with no. saying no is a perpetual struggle that i don't it's an eternal struggle i don't think we'll ever learn to overcome with 
stacked, but I think starting somewhere is still a start. Even if it means, like, I don't know, bailing on somebody or, like, not caring about, like, how what you say is coming across is a step in the right direction. So sometimes being an asshole is completely warranted. You know, <laughs> you know this, I, I think I'd written this in the doc a while ago, but there's essentially this... Um, I'm bringing Ezra Klein back, sorry. But uh, in an Ezra Klein like podcast, he was talking to the author, George Saunders, who writes, honestly, fantastic short stories and very like articulate speaker. And he was talking about something he said that really stuck with me, was he spoke about human qualities not as like a this or that situation. Mm. He always said that like human qualities, they come on a spectrum and what is a good quality on the flip side that same quality can be a bad quality like they're not you know mutually exclusive and he yeah. he said like the job and i loved he used this word titrate and he said that like our job is you know human beings is to constantly be like titrating the that to the the balance so that you're like to be very specific in this case to not be judgmental to another degree or to not be you know be very curious but also know like you said when to be an asshole when to say no and I feel like my our work is essentially about finding that balance which is never perfect it's not like there'll be one day and I'll be like whoo I've like you know attained mm -hmm. that but it's all about constantly adjusting it it's subjective too how those traits are perceived like you said like what for example is um extreme care and consideration to one person may seem like clinginess to another or like extreme codependence to another and it all in my mind is about reading the room and like knowing what the other person needs but how much are you going to think about what the person in front of you needs than just like being yourself and not giving a shit about how it's received I guess like that yeah. is a constant struggle in my mind is okay I like if in a social interaction if in a conversation I am genuinely curious about where this person is coming from I want to learn more I also at the same time have to titrate and care about the other person's time or like you know think about how the questions I may be asking may be intrusive or I may be crossing a line and while the person in front of me like may be wondering that I can't like design my whole life around how this person is going to feel with yeah. the questions I'm asking so like yeah curiosity to one person may feel like intrusiveness to other too yeah absolutely hmm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like a part of me always feel like this wholesome side of me that you know that I that we keep talking about and and I keep sharing through peace and apart I feel like I I I'm only judgmental of that sometimes where I'm like Oh, yeah, like critical thinking. Where's your critical thinking, you know? Um, oh, like you mean like naive enthusiasm and optimism and belief. In, believe. Slap the belief slap sign it. on top of the road. <laughs> the belief in humanity. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's like a willfully ignorant like take on uh, humanity. But I would pick that over painfully cynical. Like... Because that doesn't bring me, get me anywhere. I'd rather assume positive intent than constantly feel like people are out to get me and this world is shit and there's no hope for us <laughs> anymore. 
you know Absolutely. so like I'd, I'd rather be like naive and wholesome than jaded and like, hopeless I guess hmm but yeah. it's it's hard to it's hard to pick for you <laughs> <laughs> I just I've been feeling I think more I don't know why I think I've been feeling more cynical of late even though like my usual like go to this is becoming a therapy session sorry everyone but I feel like <laughs> but I mean this is whatever the fuck we want it to be listen whoever's listening if you're bored nobody's nobody expects you to keep listening I'm gonna be the asshole here and ask you to pause immediately probably pick up an episode of on being to help you center yourself and then you can come back to this episode <laughs> you've cooled down and you don't she take issue bad, with us therapizing ourselves <laughs> <laughs> hi everyone we love you also cute to conclude <laughs> episode oh, oh man <laughs> I don't have a good wrap-up for this. Our wrap-up is that we will, this season, bring some people on board. Yeah, season two is going to feature special guests. I think in keeping with the original theme of we are just in our living room chatting, it's going to be a near and dear ones. It's going to be our close friends, people who we vibe with, people who align with our creative thinking but also like maybe it's a mix of introverts and extroverts to get diverse points of view and there's no requirement you don't need to have at least 20,000 followers just putting it out there you don't even have to be on Instagram <laughs> this podcast is designed not to blow up on social media <laughs> I, I actually it's genuinely true though like I don't think I've been like like, I don't that has never been a filter like, for us. Hey, I've started a podcast. Can you like, like, subscribe, listen, follow? I'm just like, hey, I started a podcast. I like what I say in it. Maybe you want to listen. Yeah, here, listen to all my opinions in clear audio whenever you want. That's the only thing. It's like, and if you have thoughts, send them to me. And it means yeah. a lot that you listened. Yeah. We will, um, yeah, people can write to us. Maybe that's why we're reading all the Harvard Business Review articles. It's because we have no business sense. We don't know how to grow this thing. I don't even want to. So we're just going to keep doing what we do and hope for the best. Yes. And that's it for this episode. Stay curious, be kind, and take time to cultivate your inner life. We'll be back soon for another episode. This podcast is produced by Ria, a podcast producer and writer currently based in Mumbai, and Shivani, a cultural strategist and writer in New York City. The official soundtrack was composed by Surel Ingle, and this episode was mixed and mastered by Divyakshay. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions, you can always reach out to us at riyabambani.com slash peas in a pod. That's R-H-E-A-B-H-A-M-B-H-A-N-I dot com slash peas in a pod. Until then, I'm Ria. And I'm Shivani. And together, we're peas in a pod. In a pod. <laughs>